0: I just want to start off by telling you a story that I heard. <laughs> I heard about this story of this 80-year-old man. He was sitting in a park with a 30-year-old woman on the bench. And all of a sudden, the doctor, his doctor walked by. And the doctor went up to him and said, Wow, I'm so glad to see that you're looking so happy. The man said, "Well, I followed your advice." The doctor said, "What advice?" The man said, "Well, you told me, you told me to get a hot mama and be cheerful." The doctor said, "I didn't say that. I said you have a heart murmur. Be careful." Thank you. I think that was a true story, but we'll check
1: it out after the service.
0: Amen. I made myself speechless after that. But I want to go into the Old Testament today, back to the first book of the Bible. And if you can't find that in your Bible, you haven't been here for a long time, the book of Genesis. And I want to speak about a man named Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham. Now, Jacob, he was loved by God, it says. He was so loved by God that God called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God greatly blessed Jacob. He provided for him through the years, through a lot of turmoil and difficulty. But God displayed his love to Jacob. But now, in Genesis 32, Jacob was facing the crisis of his life. And what does that show you? The fact that you're going through a great challenge or a hard situation right now doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or he forgot about you. The people in the Bible that God poured his love on the most He most said, this this is a man after my heart. This this is a woman that I love. Every single one of them went through trials and difficulties and challenges because Jesus never promised that difficult times and seasons would not come and the fact that you're going through one does not lessen the fact that God totally is in love with you. Stop thinking and declaring, "Well, God, if He cared about me, He wouldn't let me go through this." In John sixteen thirty-three in the Passion translation, Jesus said. And everything I taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, You will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Jesus told you right there, you're going to go through challenges and trials and difficulties. It doesn't mean God's not there. It's because we live in a fallen, messed up world. But Jesus said, because he overcame, you're going to overcome too, because he lives in you. So continuing in the story of Jacob, here he is, that he's going to meet the hardest thing he's ever had to face in his life. But I'm going to give you first the backstory. We're going to go back 20 years in the life of Jacob before he was even got himself into this big mess. See, Jacob had an older twin named Esau. And back in those days... The father's blessing belonged to the oldest son, where the father would place his hand on the oldest son's head and speak blessings from God over his, his life. See, all the kids would get blessed, but the greatest blessing would go to the oldest. And the father's blessing carried great weight and would even determine a child's future. See, in the Bible, they understood the power of words. There's power in the things that you say, especially if you're a parent speaking over your child. You can determine their destiny, it says in James chapter 3. When what you say comes into agreement with heaven, there's power in your declaration. Not when we just say, well, I want this and I want that. But when we come into agreement with God and we begin to declare it, there's power. Well, Jacob's mother Rebecca, he plot she plotted along with Jacob to swindle the blessing away from Esau. Remember, he's the oldest, so the blessing was supposed to go to him. But Rebekah, she loved Jacob more than her other son Esau. And she said, I'm not letting that Esau get the blessing. I'm going to it, get it for my favorite son, Jacob. And so she came up with a plan. And here's the plan. You see, Esau, the older brother, he had hairy arms. His whole body was hairy. In fact, that was his name. Esau means hairy. He was a hunter, so he smelled like goats and all the other animals. So here's the plan. Rebecca dressed Jacob in Esau's smelly clothes and she took goat skin with hairy goatskins and covered his arms in order to trick Jacob into thinking in, in order to trick the father Isaac into thinking that Jacob was Esau. They were going to pull a fast one. Because Jacob's father Isaac, he had lost his vision. And when Jacob sat down, he said, let me feel your arms. And he felt hairy arms like Jacob. And he said, wow, you smell just like Esau. You don't sound like him. But you sure do smell like him. And, and uh, Isaac was fooled, and he began to give Jacob the blessing that belonged to Esau. That's a little technical, but does everyone get that? Yeah. You get it? The Esau got swindled out of his blessing coming to him by his own mother and brother. Well, when Esau found out he was cheated, he got angry in genesis twenty seven forty one it says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, "The days of for mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. you don't want your brother." Who, who's a skilled hunter with weapons coming after you. Like like one of these terrorists with the rag on their head and the knife in their teeth. You better run, and that's what Jacob did. He said, it, it's time to go, and he took off. And he was gone from his home for 20 years. Now we're going to fast forward back in the story to 20 years later, God came he appeared to Jacob, and he told him it's time to go back home. The only problem is, in order to get home, he had to face his brother, who was sworn to kill him. He was out for revenge, he would have been bloodthirsty and he said, I got to face this guy. This was the trial of his lifetime. So we're going to pick up the action in Genesis 32, verse 1. Since the movie theaters are closed, I'm trying to sound like them. Okay. Jacob. It says, as Jacob was headed back to his home in verse 32, verse 1, chapter 32, 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said. This is the camp of God, so he named that place Mahanaim. Now, how many of you, if you ran into a battle, would be happy to come across a camp full of angels? Now, when you think of angels, don't think of these little babies with wings and harps. Floating around like some of the pictures they see in people's houses. Angels are mighty warriors out to do the will of God. It says in Psalm 91, they they surround you. They protect you. Everywhere that you go, they, they follow you. They be beaten up. All those demons and you think God, nothing's happening. you walking down the street and those angels with swords be fighting on your behalf, keeping you from the car wreck, from the criminal around the corner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see, these angels were powerful. Plus, God promised to Jacob, he said, I will be with you. I will protect you. So seeing the angels and walking with the all-powerful, almighty God who had intervened in his life over and over for 20 years, wouldn't you think that Jacob would face the challenge of his brother with great confidence? The creator of the universe is walking with me. I'm surrounded by warrior angels. I know that God did it before, and like the song says, he'll do it again. The problem was it didn't work for Jacob that way. Jacob, Jacob paid no mind to to, to any of that. He forgot about the angels. He forgot about God and his promises. It was all good to come to church and sing about it, but now that I'm facing the trial, now that I'm going through the fire, all of a sudden, I forgot I'm surrounded. I forgot that God loves me, and he promised to fight my battles. He forgot about the Father's blessing. The Message Bible says that Jacob was afraid and panicked. The Good News translation says he was frightened and worried. And the Living Bible says Jacob was frantic with fear. You see, don't allow your circumstances or intimidation or what you hear on the news, forget cause you to forget who you are and who walks with you. You see all these reports and everyone speaking fear into you and everything that you're facing in your personal life and the community. It's very easy to forget that there's a God who loves you and he will not leave you. He will not let you go. And the scripture says that we are protected under the shadow of his wings. The scripture says that we don't have to fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. We don't have to fear the sickness, it says, in the daytime or the plague that comes at night. It says a thousand might fall in one hand. Ten thousand at your right hand. It will not come near you. You see, it's easy to forget the promises. We can't just do this in church and leave it here. we got to walk out of here with full confidence because we're called to be the answer to the crisis. This is the time for the church to shine, to rise, not to shrink back in fear like Jacob. So what did Jacob do? He decided to create his own plan, which is often what we do instead of trusting God. He was going to go and face his enraged brother, and his brother had 400 men with him. So Jacob said, I better think of something. So it says in Genesis 32, verse 7, in great fear and distress. As soon as you know you're walking in great fear and distress, you are out of the will of God. Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds as can camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, The group that is left may escape. He instructed the one in the lead. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, Who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you, then you are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift to my lord Esau and he is coming behind us. There is Jacob's great plan. First, he was going to try to appease his brother Jacob from killing him by saying, here, here's all my animals, here's everything I own. And if that didn't work, he separated the people. He put some family members here, his wives and kids here. Some of his other wife wife and the kids on the other side, he said, well, if, if they kill one, the other one could run. In the meantime, where was Jacob? He said, I'll come up from behind. <laughs> they could kill them all. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. Who thinks that plan is going to work? You see, that's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean that I don't get dressed until God shows me what to wear. Or, oh, people tell me I'm going for ice cream, but I'm praying whether to have vanilla or chocolate. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who run away from God because they're in trouble and they think somehow they're going to be able to figure out their problem. You can't figure out your problems. If you can, you're way smarter than I am. Even David in the Old Testament, he was a powerful warrior. He was mighty in battle. But yet, even David, he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, when, when I'm facing the enemy, when I'm overwhelmed by what I'm going through, he said, lead me to the rock who's higher than I. Who's the rock? He's Jesus. Why is he the rock? Because nobody can move him out of your way. David said, I look towards the hills from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord. You are not alone. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Making these crazy plans that aren't going to work. We trust in God. We give it all to the Lord. Even David, sometimes he would battle fear himself. Sometimes his emotions would come at him, tell him to run. And he said, I speak to my soul. I speak to my emotions. And I say, So, put your trust in God. I don't know about you, but i got to do that a lot. Maybe some of you are spiritually way tougher than I am. But there are many days and times, sometimes through the years, waking up in the middle of the night, trembling in fear. And I got to speak to my soul. I got to tell my emotions to come back into order to line up with the the heart of the one true God. Because he is on my side and he is with you. Well, speaking of, of the plans of man that always come to nothing, here's a scripture that we've read so many times here. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. You see, Josh back there, he could tell you, every every time I'm facing a new trial, I start trying to figure things out. And he has to every time come back and remind me. The plans of the Lord, God got it all figured out. And he does it every time. So many wasted, sleepless nights for nothing. I just declare that over you. No more wasted, sleepless nights. No more worry in Jesus' name. Because the captain of the army of heaven, that's one of the name of Jesus, he's with you. If he is for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? No sickness, no disease, no plague, no enemy. No, no angry co-worker can stand against the king of kings. Well, we go back to Jacob. Jacob sent everyone else ahead, and he spent the night in the camp. He spent the night alone, and guess who showed up in his camp? God. Imagine that, you set yourself up to pray, you look up and God himself walks in the door. So what did he do? He set himself apart for God. He went into the camp. You see, sometimes it takes desperate times to force us to turn to God. Sometimes we try all our own ways, all our own plans and methods, We go to plan B and C, but sometimes God allows us to get to a place in our life, there is no more plan B or C. The credit cards are about to, are maxed out. The relationship's about to end. Your wife just packed your bags. Sometimes we don't we don't seriously go after God until we're like Jonah, three days stuck in the belly of a whale about to die, and it took all that till he cried out to God. Don't let that happen to you. I, I want to have an open, tender heart towards God. I, I don't wanna have to hit rock bottom. And sometimes God will let you get there if that's the only way he can keep you from destroying your life. Sometimes he'll let you sink to the bottom. Some people have to lay in a jail cell somewhere or out on a street corner before they finally say yes to God. Not because he's heartless, because he knows that without him, that we are totally lost. Well, when God showed up, do you think that Jacob, you think he did like us, start dancing in the front in front of God and lifting his hands and singing worship songs? Instead, you know what he did? He fought God all night. The whole night they went back and forth in a wrestling match. I can just imagine the things that Jacob was saying. He'd say, why are you allowing me to have such trouble in my life and then give God a headbutt? Why why did you send me back to face all this trouble? I was happy where I was and give God a drop kick and then then a leg drop. Well, how come other people don't have to go through all this drama? Why does it all, all night back and forth with God? So I'm going to read from Genesis 32:24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak, which later we know that was God himself came down in the form of a man. Many believe it was Jesus himself before he came to be born in Bethlehem because he always existed as the Son of God, Jesus is eternal, no beginning or end. And many believe that that was an appearance of Jesus himself. When the man saw, or when God saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, sometimes you have to take hold of God and not let go. Jacob was at the end of his rope. He was limping. He was beat up. But he refused to let go of God's promise and his life. He refused to release that blessing. He said, you are not going anywhere, God. I lost a fight, but I'm holding on to you. Sometimes that's all you got to hold on to. Jacob had nothing left. There was no one there to help him. Usually we'll try to call a million people. Well, Jacob, nobody was answering his call. The only thing left he had in his life was, was the promise of God, the blessing of God. And he held on, and he refused to let go. You see, that's how we have to live our lives. We hold on to God's promise. Whatever's going on around us. Whatever people are saying, whatever, whoever's coming against us, I'm holding on to the Lord. I, I got nothing except that. If you don't accept that, I got nothing else. I, the only thing I got to offer you is him. Because he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. You hold that promise in your heart. Everything he said he'll do, he'll do. He is not a man that he will lie. And his promises are yes and amen. You hold on to those things. You hold on to those promises for your children. i going to go to verse 27. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now, wait a minute. It says he struggled with God and he overcame. How did he overcome? He lost the fight. God touched him on the hip and he couldn't walk no more he became crippled. He he did. You can't win a fight against God. I don't care if you fight all night for the rest of your life. He lost the fight but yet God said that he changed his name because he said you prevailed against God. You see, Jacob learned something that night. He learned that you don't overcome by arguing and going back and forth with God all night. Where was Jacob's victory? The victory was surrendering himself into the hands of God. He might have come out limping. He came out bruised. He came out hurt. But that's where your victory is. See, last week, Pastor George preached, and he said, things don't always turn, work out the way we hope for. It's not always the way we expected it to. It's not always our desire, the things that happen to us. But what did Jacob learn? God, I surrender to you. I surrender to your will, to your love. God, I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me, but God, I surrender. God, it's not fair what happened to me. It's not fair what I'm going through, but I trust you. God, I'm devastated, but I give you my heart. God, my heart is overwhelmed, but I refuse to walk away from your love. That was the victory that Jacob had. It wasn't in fighting against God. It was in surrendering is your victory. We come before God and say, God, I give you my heart, I give you my life, all that I am. See, this is Christianity 101. Christianity 101 is Jesus died for me, not just so I could be blessed, But he bought me. I belong to him. I say, God, have your way in my life. Jacob learned that. And after that happened, Jacob was ready to face his greatest fear, to face his brother. And he said, I'm I'm getting rid of all my own plans, all my old strategies, And he went right ahead of it. He wasn't going to hide anymore. He said, I'm going to go face my past. I'm going to face the mess that I made. And he walked up to his brother. Maybe he was sweating. Maybe his hands were shaking. Maybe he was stuttering in fear. But he made a decision to trust God with his life. With everything that he owned, with his children and his family. See, there's nothing wrong with feeling afraid. It's when you give in to fear. We have to make a decision. We're not going to give in to the fear. But we're going to stand strong for God. And in Genesis 33, 4 the brother that he was so afraid of, the one sworn to destroy and kill him. It says Esau ran up to meet him and embraced him affectionately and he kissed him. It was only when he put his trust in God that the power, the plans of the enemy were broken. You see, when, when, when you stand with God, nothing can stand against you. We are already victorious. The enemy was already defeated. We're not fighting the enemy. He, he already lost. We're walking in the victory that Jesus already won for us. I, I, I just want to pray that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you, If you're saying, I'm submitting my heart to God today. I'm going through fear. Things are difficult. But God, I give you my heart. I surrender to you. Just lift a hand to God right now. Father, I I just pray for each one, Lord God. Father, as they surrender to you, to your faithfulness, to your love. Father, I thank you for your protection over them, over their families in Jesus' name. I declare that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Father, I place a hedge of protection around everyone, around everyone watching online right now in Jesus' name. And I beg. Break, I take authority over, over those negative thoughts and the panic that the enemy would try to put on you. Father, we thank you today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we want to do one more thing. And um, Lee's going to come to help me with this blessing. You see, it really when I was preparing this and reading about the how desperately Jacob wanted the blessing of his parent, I started to think how powerful is it when a father or a mother lays hands on their kids and begins to bless them and pray. In fact, in Hebrews eleven twenty one, speaking about Jacob. It says, It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Over his life, Jacob knew that he learned the power of blessing. Even when he was dying, his last act was to lay hands on his grandchildren because he knew that he could win the victory for them right there in the home before they get out there. So Lee has a blessing prepared, and she's going to come and give us instructions on how to close.
1: What I love more than anything about the story of Jacob is that we see a recurring theme throughout the generations that God has the final word. God had the final word when his faith looked like it wouldn't make it. God had the final word when it looked like his life was about to be cut short. And what I have seen, not only in the life of Jacob, but in the life of my own family, the life of my own children, is that God will have the final word. God will have the final word. All hell and high water can come against us, but God will have the final word over the generations and over the lineage that he has placed within our hands. So I want you all to rise to your feet. I've written out a declaration slash prayer slash blessing, not only over our children. Originally, I was going to do it just over our children. And we have, I have that in here, but it's also over the family, There's a theme happening here in this house with families. I know we we see this. It's part of our mission, Building Healthy Families. But but even a few weeks ago when I began to prophesy over... Pastor George and Pastor Michelle's family and the lineage and the blessing and the generational favor over their lives. There was something in me when I went home that the Lord said, I need you to declare this not only over them, but over yours and over the church's families. And then last week, a powerful song um, got released called The Blessing. And if you haven't heard it, you need to YouTube it, Google it. But it's all about a declaration of blessing over families. And that's when I said, Lord, I know this isn't just a local church thing. This is what you're declaring and in this season over families in the body of Christ. And so I want you to gather right now your children. If your children are with you, if your spouse is beside you, I want you to just hold their hands. If you're with your child, just put your hand on their shoulder. I actually want to ask my own family to come up, um, my, my children and my husband. Like I said, I've written this out. It's going to be over um, on these screens so that you can... Declare these things and pray these things. And we're going to put it up on the website later so that you guys can can pray this and declare it over your families in a season when things seem so crazy. But like the song said this morning, he is the champion of heaven. He is the defender of our families and the defender of our lineage. And it doesn't matter if our children struggle and if they're fighting to surrender, or maybe you're fighting to surrender in your marriages, maybe you have yet to see that family blessing over your lives. But, and some of you are, are, are not here with some of your children today. Some of you are without a spouse. Some of you. But I want you to receive this and pray this out loud in online community. I know that we have a lot of you logging on this morning. So wherever you are right now, if you're home and you can grab your spouse or you can grab your children or maybe your grandma is there, maybe your cousin is there, Whatever family member is in your presence right now, online audience, why don't you just grab them? We're going to give you a few seconds to do that. Lay your hands on them the same way that we're laying hands on our family here um, in, in, in the house this morning. And as we get ready to just declare these things, we're going to let faith rise up in us. Amen? And as these words come on the screen, we're going to just receive them. And we're gonna, we're gonna just take them in because God's doing something beautiful over generations. So Jesus, we declare that you are God over every man, woman, and child. You are the God of all creation. You breathed the breath of life into every living being and caused praise to come forth from darkness. You created and called our families and the generations after us by your name and for your glory. Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will be faithful to us and you will contend with our enemies and cause us to grow strong with wisdom, perseverance, health, and long life. We will not bow, we will not receive, we will not share, participate, or confess in any generational curse by reason of our biological, paternal, or maternal bloodline in Jesus' name. The eyes of our generation and those after us will see great victories and will be overwhelmed by the greater glory that will be revealed to us. I declare that every person here is a seed of destiny that will grow into all you have created them to do and to be. Nothing, nothing will uproot the seed from the good soil of the Holy Spirit. You are the champion of heaven and the great defender of every family. And those that put their trust in you shall not be moved. Every strange wind of disaster attacking our households is blowing in the opposite direction and will not come near to us in Jesus' name. I declare that every giant standing against the peace and unity of our marriages are being cast down now. Let all powers encamping against our homes and our entire family lineage become confused and scatter because of the blood of Jesus. I declare that every male seed will live and every caged destiny, every imprisoned womb will be opened in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, Lift our children up out of shame and obscurity. Set them in a place of honor and dignity. The children that you have given us are meant for signs and wonders. And not for shame and disgrace. And every plan the enemy has to change this narrative. I bind in the name of Jesus. I break every limitation tied around the legs of our parenting, around our children, our families, and our vision to slow down or completely stop us. That pit of destruction being dug by the devil for our provision and the success of our family will not succeed in Jesus' mighty name. Now, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven? Everyone, every child, every teenager, everyone that's lost hope, everyone that needs Jesus this morning. Lord, because we have made you our ref- refuge, no evil will befall us, nor will any plague or disease come near our dwelling. Lord, you give your angels charge over us, and you will keep us. Constant praise and adoration will remain upon the lips of your people, and in their homes will come forth great praise and great testimony. You will never leave us or forsake us. You are with us always, and the victory is yours. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I want the worship team to come up. We sang a song this morning that he is our champion. And there is no greater time to sing that out and to believe that than right now. So, I want you to come to the front. If you are declaring this morning that He is the champion of heaven over your lives, over your children, over your children's children, over your jobs, over your finances, over your faith, over your dignity, over your honor, if you're declaring this morning that He is the champion and the defender of your soul and your story, the defender. Of everything that he's put in your hand. If you believe. If you believe he got your back this morning. If you truly believe he got your back this morning. Then you need to let all heaven and all hell know. That you're not backing down. And that you're ready to fight this good fight. And that you're ready to stand in a place of surrender. So that he can have his will. So that heaven. So that the plans of heaven can make its way to the earth. And so we declare in faith this morning, O oh Lord, that your kingdom is coming, that your will is being done until you return on earth as it is in heaven.